Have those Marvel blues while Black Widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed? Well, turn that frown upside down because yet another MCU podcast is here to guide you through the MCU one movie at a time. That's right, Mike. Each episode, we break down one movie from the MCU and talk about its connections with the source material, comic books. Which means I get to learn so many fascinating things like about Alpha Flight. The Canadian Avengers. Who knew? And Moon Knight. A multiple personality superhero. Seriously? And then there's Man-Thing. Yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Another season of Forgotten Horror has come to an end, but as Field paraphrases Al Pacino from Send of a Woman, We're just getting warmed up! Spend the next few months with Forgotten Cinema as Season 7 kicks off with movies from all across the decades. We jump to the 70s to talk about The Front Page, starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. We dive into the 80s with Michael Mann's Thief and the Dennis Quaid Meg Ryan thriller DOA, and then slice into Butler's childhood years, the 90s, with The Last Samurai and The Negotiator. That's right, Field. You're old. So very... Very old. Shut up, Butler. Forgotten Cinema, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Player Bros. I'm your host, Mike. With me, as not usual lately, is my co-host, Dave. Uh, He will be back next week for our Game of the Year episode, uh, where we'll finally pick what our Game of the Year is, which, honestly, I think we'll probably have the same choice. But we'll see. For now, Dave's still busy. He hasn't been playing any games or keeping up with the news, so I'm going to give you a quick brief rundown of what I've been playing this week, a little bit of the news that I've found that I think is worth talking about a little bit, and then uh, that'll be it. A nice short and sweet episode again. Let's get into it. First off, I think I have found anyone who is still looking for an Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 5 Digital Edition uh, like myself. I think I have found our savior, and it comes in the form of Twitch, a Twitch streamer by the name of KillerCam1020, that's his Twitch name, has put up a live channel that scours all the different online shops, Xbox, uh, PlayStation Digital, I mean, PlayStation Direct, Amazon, Amazon UK, Amazon Europe, Best Buy. Target, Walmart, all of the big stores, most of the big stores, and checks their stock levels and updates people also on what the rumors are going about. But his stream just has all these store stock lists out of stock, pulling directly from their inventory sites. So it's almost like the only way to beat the bots at their own game is to become a bot and to watch this guy's stream so you know when they're going to be available and you don't have to get their you know, you're already at a disadvantage getting there even five minutes late at this way, at least this way, by watching the stream, you can get there within a minute or two or less. If you can start typing right away, I think I was lucky enough to be able to procure an Xbox series X this way. I was watching his stream on my phone one night, uh, late and next day I got up, was taking a shower and I got out of the shower just to check the phone real quick. And apparently I had just literally by one couple of minutes missed the initial drop of Xbox Series X's on the Microsoft store. 
So I quickly ran out of the shower, sat down on my couch, and started both on the Xbox One X I have and my laptop. Press kept pressing place order on the Microsoft store for an Xbox Series X, hoping I would get it. And the Twitch stream as well helped me out by saying, you know, keep going. I just got it. I just got it. Even though they were getting the random cannot place order. And so I finally, I kept doing it for about 10, 15 minutes and finally did get my order to go through and got an order number, got the email confirmation. And now my order is pending, but I got the official order and it lists in my order list. Some people were kicked out that same day saying their pending order didn't actually go through. However, because mine's been a couple of days now, I think my order really did go through. So I'm crossing my fingers. Estimated delivery isn't until the day before Christmas Eve, December 23rd. So I got a while to wait to see if it's actually going to go or not. It's going to keep saying pending until it ships, apparently. So fingers crossed I have an Xbox Series X, but still hunting for that PlayStation Digital Edition, which is, seems to be harder to find than the actual even PlayStation 5. And I don't want to bundle with, obviously, physical media anyway. Even if I did end up having to get a physical PlayStation, which I really don't want to spend an extra $100 on. So I'm really hoping that I can find a drop from this Killcam 1020 of a PlayStation Digital Edition that I can procure. So fingers crossed if you, like me or most people, still haven't gotten these systems. It's a great community. No one's too... Xbox is better than PlayStation or PlayStation totally wrecks Xbox or, you know, guys, it's all about that PC master race. It's not, that's not the kind of community as we, they do talk about the differences in systems, but it's mostly just joking around, sharing their own misery of not being able to find a system. And they're all very helpful about, Hey, I just called my local Walmart or target. Here's when they're going to drop the streamer himself. Killcam1020 does come on quite often and talks about the rumors going on, fixes his stream a little bit as well. So the video checks more, more stuff, has the right time on it, and will, you know, ban people that are lying about the drops and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very helpful community and it helped me get an Xbox. I'm sure it will help me get a PlayStation if I get one before March 2021. And if you guys are having trouble, I highly recommend this Killer Cam 1020. He's awesome. You know, people are donating, obviously, when they get their system because he helped them, you know, he helped save their holiday or or achieve the impossible out of these people. And it's really fun to watch these other people get the systems, even when you miss a drop or you maybe weren't going after the Xbox Series S or the, you know, $800 PlayStation bundles with two physical media games and eight controllers or whatever. But when other people get them and they're so happy, it's fun to see as well. So check that out if you're looking for a system. You can have it on the background, obviously, on your iPhone or Android phone or on your TV or laptop while you're doing whatever. I even had it on at work while I was doing some stuff on the computer. I had it on my phone on mute, just streaming, waiting for uh, a drop to happen. All of this means that hopefully by the end of this month, I can start talking about the new system. Obviously, maybe we can have Dave talk a little bit about his brief experiences with his Series X. I know he hasn't gotten a lot of chance to do much on it. Uh, I know he's played a little bit of the Yakuza game. Hopefully I'll have some kind of impression of Miles Morales before, you know, 2024 or uh, 2023 when the next Spider-Man game comes out. In terms of what I've been playing, I haven't mentioned it yet on the show, but if you listen to my other podcast, Forgotten Cinema, you would know I'm a huge, huge James Bond fan, both of the films and the novels. Big, big fan. And I was very excited to hear that 
IOI Interactive is going to be making the next new James Bond video game, which they're working on now. They had a little teaser trailer. It's called the Untitled 007 Project. Takes place uh, where 007 is still trying to earn his 007 status at the beginning, or he has just earned it, which is very strange because Casino Royale, both the book and the film, depict how he becomes 007. But I digress. This is pretty exciting. I'm a big fan of the Hitman games, which is something I also don't think I've ever brought up on this podcast. Uh, but also, maybe, because Alex is also a huge fan. I know my brother. But, I mean, I remember playing the original Hitman and Hitman 2, and they were really fun. And then the Hitman game came out for 360. And that was, meh. A lot of people thought that. And then these new kind of almost subscription-based Hitman started to come out. Uh, Hitman 1, 2, and the upcoming Hitman 3. So because Hitman 3 is coming out, they're making a James Bond game. I thought it would be a good idea to jump into Hitman 2, especially since it was on a Black Friday sale for $9. And I hadn't really had a chance to really put a decent amount of time into gaming lately, which I would need to really beat Assassin's Creed. So I'm going to push that a little bit. And I was playing Hitman 2. So I think Hitman 2... It reminded me about a lot of things I liked about Hitman, but also seemed kind of too old school for its own good in some ways. And at the same time, made me cautious, less a little less optimistic maybe for how they're going to make a James Bond game. Because James Bond isn't, he's an assassin, but you want to be James Bond. You want to, it's not James Bond isn't all about disguises. He's always James Bond and his decisions are, you know, stealth and gadgets and big shootouts and big car chases. And the way Hitman plays combat sucks in Hitman. Uh, it's, it's garbage and it has never really been great, but I think this is actually the worst that straight up shooting combat. I guess I, I should say is has ever been been the melee combat is just basically a one hit button. You know, if you attack a guard head on, you have to hit an extra button to knock him out. And James Bond's really about those big action chase sequences, unless we're going to get a game based on the novels where James Bond's really more of the sneaky assassin, you know, those sneaky moments of, of figuring out and solving the puzzles on how to kill people is really fun in Hitman, but it makes would make for a very slow James Bond game. And the graphics in Hitman 2, I was also not super impressed with. It almost seems like a cartoon brought to life in a lot of ways. And I would hope that's something as well that changed when you go to the 007 games. I know IOI is a very small studio. You watch their credits. They're some of the shortest credits I've seen on a... I would I would put Hitman a AAA game. It's got some of the shortest credits on a AAA game that I've seen. So, I mean, they probably don't have a lot of people to work on stuff like animations, you know, realistic lighting. I mean, some of the sets and some of the locations are really cool and they do have a lot of people in them. The streets of Mumbai are filled with hundreds of people, but you don't have great animation. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the lighting is very good. Gunplay combat is, is garbage. It's it's some of the worst I've seen in the franchise history and and some of the worst I've seen on modern consoles. Melee is non-existent. There's no way they're 
car chases would look good at this point. They would need that. I know they want to hire a lot of people, but they're going to hire so many people to get these basic functions ready to go for a James Bond game. These are all things that you want to see in your James Bond experience. So I'm very interested to see where they're going to take it from there, but I'm not sure. And in terms of Hitman 2 going into Hitman 3, because I'm not a big fan of the subscription model for Hitman 2, so I hadn't yet played it all the way. That's why I just now bought it, after having been a huge fan of Hitman, is I don't like the every month buy a new Hitman level. I get they're increasing the life of their game by doing that, probably making some more, trying to make a little bit more money and trying to be like, oh, we're a subscription model. Maybe not everybody wants to pay $60 for Hitman, but you'll pay $5 a month for the next you know, 20 months or however long it takes us to put out every single map we do. I, I know that with Hitman 3, you're getting them all at once finally again, which is cool. But Hitman 1 and 2 really had the same graphics format, the same animation style, the same gameplay. And I'm really hoping that Hitman 3 takes advantage of the new systems uh, and kind of pushes, I think, some of that combat. Not that Hitman is about that again. Again, not that Hitman is about that. And I usually try to be as stealthy as I can and follow the Hitman formula, as it were. But the game also rewards you with shotguns and machine guns and mines and grenades that I don't think are rewards in a game where that's the least fun way to play the game. But I'd like to see that kind of aspect of hitman increase in hitman 3 especially as the threat that you're going up against in hitman 3 as it finishes up the world of assassination trilogy you're really ramping up this conclusion of the story which is sparse and light and there's not a lot to the story um in a linear fashion obviously you get a lot of different aspects if you play more of what they consider the world story missions where the way you take out the person really reveals a lot about the different targets that you're doing and what their purpose is in this larger world of the of providence the secret organization controlling the world which is very james bond but i feel like you're going to need that action aspect to this to wrap up this conclusion of this story and i feel like you want to show people that your game is modernizing in each iteration you want to show that you're improving different things and i just don't know if it will that being said, I do like Hitman 2 quite a bit. I beat it within a week. I, I spent a lot of time making sure I perfected the story mission kills that I, I really followed that and didn't try to, you know, cheap out and just shoot somebody in the back of the head when I had, you know, the brief moment to or get caught. If I got caught on camera, I would go find the security tape. Being meticulous with the game is really fun and really what Hitman's all about. Finding the different aspects, trying to see exactly if you find one way to kill people what's the second way you want to kill them oh no i think that would be a much cooler much more hitman-y way i guess to kill somebody so if you're looking for a quick game to pick up it's on sale now it'll probably stay on sale for a while i don't know if the price is going to go up and if it does maybe only for a little while as they want you to they'll probably want you to buy hitman 2 leading up to hitman 3 uh, there'll probably be some kind of IOI or Square Enix, another Square Enix sale or something for it. So definitely pick it up. It's a quick time. You know, each level can last. 
there are people who have beaten these levels in two minutes if they get the mastery and they can start in better places than the starter places, uh, the starter areas you go to. But if you really want to meticulously plan, you might be playing the levels for about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, really getting sneaky and getting your costumes and following everybody and getting the right things in place to assassinate your target. But it is, it's only six or seven levels and it's got the sniper game as well, which is really fun. And I do like that Hitman 1 and 2 do connect in a, in a way, even though the gameplay should have maybe advanced a little bit. I like that it's all within one menu so I can play each level and go back seamlessly uh, within one kind of menu screen. Sort of like the Halo Master Chief Collection, although it kicks you into the different games. It's a little bit like that. So Hitman 2, pretty good. Got it because I was excited for James Bond and Hitman 3 coming out. Uh, definitely be picking up Hitman 3. Again, the only reason I didn't pick up Hitman 2 right away was the sparsity of the levels at first. I, You only give me one level, I'm not going to buy it because I'm going to be into whatever game is coming out in full that month. So Hitman 2, pick it up if you want or don't. But it's an interesting way to see where this small studio, it's now small studio, uh, that created the original Hitman games, where they stand now and where they kind of would succeed in a espionage assassination game like James Bond and where they might need work and where hit the hitman formula maybe doesn't necessarily apply to James Bond. In other, what have I been playing news? Uh, <laughs> I recently started also playing an indie game called in silence, which is a game that came out on steam in October. Uh, which is great timing for that game. And it's a horror, another co-op horror game, but it's more of a asymmetrical horror game in the vein of, I guess, Friday the 13th or Dead by Daylight, where you have four survivors trying to fix their car or kill the monster character who is played by another human as well, or can be played by an AI if you want to do pure co-op although the AI is absolute garbage right now and doesn't play the game right, but I digress. The game obviously has only been out for a month. Uh, I know that popular streamers like Markiplier have played it already. Uh, that I came across that video on my YouTube and I was like, oh, this game looks a little creepy. So since I'm pretty obsessed with Phasmophobia now, I decided, oh, we'll watch you play in silence. It's only like 11 bucks. So I had my brother get it and he got some of his friends to play it and we played the game and it, it is a decent amount of fun. It needs a lot of work, but it's really interesting. One of the main points of the game is that it's called in silence because your monster character is essentially blind. It sees only a couple feet in front of him, and everything's very blurred and red until you hear sound. And when you hear sound around you or you roar, which is a special move that needs to recharge, you start to see more of the game world around you. And you have a little sound radar system on the bottom as well that kind of pinpoints you toward where player characters are. Or obviously sometimes it could be traps, birds, or radios left somewhere, or pebbles being thrown. And you have to try to find and eat the survivors on before the timer runs out, which is custom maps. So it's anywhere between, usually between 10 and 20 minutes, but I think you can set it 
lower and higher as well in your maps that you play. It's always the same map, but the parts that you have to uh, pick up to fix your car are always going to be in a different location around the world. And you have to get these pieces slowly and work together, but you can't make a lot of noise and you can't, if you talk to each other, you have to be careful because as long as you're using in-game chat, it's directional chat and it's the monster is going to hear you as well if you talk too loud or if you talk at all, if it's close by. So you can only talk very briefly, use your flashlight sparingly, which you also use almost like a flashbang to blind the monster as you run away. And as long as you have battery power in your flashlight, you can kind of escape the monster and give yourself a chance to run. If you're lucky enough throughout the game world, there are these little glyphs uh, that actually are the PlayStation button shapes, even though the game right now is not on consoles. So there's a square, a circle, a triangle, and an X. And they pop up in, I think I read that they're in 10 different places all the time in the map. But obviously there's only four of them, so you have to keep checking all the time. And each shape will have a random number below it on their glyph. Somewhere on the map randomly as well is a big armory box. Uh, it's what like a shipping crate. And it's got the key lock on it. And you have to put in basically a password combination based on the shapes and what number you saw when you were around the map. Whoever can open up that crate is going to get a gun. And that gun can help to kill the monster. And if you kill the monster, you win as well. I played... I must have played like 10 matches or more. And not once did we open the armory. One time, Alex and I got close working together against an AI computer on hard mode. However, we ran out of time and ended up failing just because the time limit ran out. The game is really fun. Uh, it's very simplistic, a little glitchy. I did fall through the map twice when the monster attacked me. Once I fell into an basement of a house, which was okay. And the other time, though, I fell right through the map for the rest of the game. And it was the beginning of a 20 minute match. So that was kind of boring. The monster or the quote unquote rake as the monster is called is really cool. It's some kind of chupacabra looking guy with blades for hands. His mouth is split all the way down to his stomach with a huge tongue and an array of teeth. And all he wants to do is eat you up. And he is gross. He is really well designed. Uh, the rest of the levels are it's fairly bland, but there are some moments of, of scares. When the monster comes at you, it's quiet, it's quick, and it's scary. And there are all these little toys put there to make sound. So if you go into a house to search for a part for your car, you might hit a teddy bear that squeaks or a jack-in-the-box that randomly goes off or a TV or a radio. Uh, <laughs> one time a thunderstorm started randomly, which for the rake gives you better sight but takes away your radar. And as a human, it just scared the crap out of me uh, when one started and I heard the thunderclap. So it definitely has some tense moments. The fact that you can't really talk to your player characters and the fact that even actually seeing your friends in the level means that they might make the wrong move. They might start walking too fast or running and it might set the monster off and the monster might find you instead of them. They might have their flashlight flashing or throw a rock to distract the monster, not knowing that you are where the rock got thrown. You know, everything is very dark, even for the humans. They have to use their flashlight or their just basic sense of direction to try to find their way back to their broken car. Because if you use the flashlight, the monster is going to hear the click of the flashlight or possibly see a glimpse of a beam through their almost blind eyes. 
my problems with the game are the glitches and the fact that the game doesn't reward you at the end of any match. So if you win as the rake, you don't get anything. You do get perks as the humans as you enter the level, but they're all randomly generated. So you might get an extra bullet if you get the rifle, which again, they need to fix that because the rifle is very hard to get. Uh, you might have quieter walking or quieter running, or you pick up stuff a little faster, or you've got a little bit more juice in your flashlight than most, or you have a radar itself as well, and you're the leader of the group, and you can see where everything is around town, which helps immensely because you can find your way back to the car without any trouble. So those perks are fine, but you need to have some kind of progression, I feel. Even Phasmophobia had... If you lose, you lose money, but if you win, you win a little bit of money to start buying more equipment to find the ghost better, to do the extra objectives faster or more efficiently, or give you a chance to survive with the crucifixes and the salt or the tripods to make placing cameras easier. And they give you sparse up the money pretty slowly, so you've got to do quite a few matches to get anything, which is cool. In Silence doesn't do any of that. Even Dead by Daylight has obviously a huge progression thing and, and it resets every season, some of it, but you know, all these different stats and stuff, you can use your blood. I don't play Dead by Daylight too much, but I've played it a little bit. You know, you need some kind of progression. You need something that keeps us coming back to play, especially if it's one map, one monster. You know, what? what's keeping us, what's keeping us playing? Uh, the fun of the game is there. And it is a cheaper game, so just coming back once in a while to play this game. But what's what's the real killer grab that makes me want to upgrade my character or go back and and see more stuff? And, you know, it's creepy, but I don't know if it's as scary as Phasmophobia almost always is, whereas Phasmophobia has just that little bit of progression in there needed to allow me to keep playing the game and go oh, worry about, oh, I'm going to lose all my stuff or, oh, I get my, got my stuff. There's a real cost for dying and there's a real success in winning and there's always real scares, even if you've played the game a thousand times and you know the ghosts are there and you know the sounds, it's still a creepy, creepy game. I think In Silence can become a really fun asymmetrical horror game that does have a lot more jump scares. And it is pretty scary and is pretty fun to play. But I do think it needs a little work in terms of progression and content. You know, I need I need to see something come out of of my successes or my failures to make me want to play the game. I need I need to know that there's more to the game than just that one map and one mode of play. But like I said, it's early days for this game. It's only been out for, I believe. It came out in October, but I don't know if it was the very beginning of October. So this episode's coming out first week of December. Might not have even hit two months yet. So I'm hoping that we get to see more from this game. I definitely like it. I'll definitely play it anytime. You know, my brother says, hey, you want to play in silence with us? It's definitely going to be a yes. Uh, but it just didn't grab me like I was hoping that it would. Like I, it does uh, Phasmophobia. But the, the shtick is good. It does play pretty it does play surprisingly well for a game that's only been out for a month and a half, we'll say. And the fun is there. So always up. Like I we said last time when we did Phasmophobia, always up for a a horror themed 
game, co-op game. So that's it for this week's episode. Real, so that's it for this week's episode. Real quick, I don't like rambling for too long by myself because I feel like you guys probably don't like to listen to it because who would? I know I probably wouldn't. Just trying to keep the show going. Next week, back with Dave, at least for that one episode. Uh, we're going to go over, I think, our game of the year. Uh, I Obviously, a lot of people are going to say, what about Cyberpunk? Unfortunately, that comes out December 10th. I really don't think it's going to be possible to get even the story done by the time that you know January rolls around. I think we should all really consider Cyberpunk a 2021 game. I read that the QA team leader for CD Projekt Red said his story playthrough was still at 73 hours and his main playthrough, he was still put 160 hours into the game in total or something like that. Something ridiculous. And so I don't think it's possible to beat it before 2021. Uh, and I don't think it's fair to just declare a game that you haven't come close to beating as game of the year without really beating it. So like I said, I think I know what our choice is and maybe we'll break it down into some categories, but I think both Dave and I will both have the same answer for a game of the year, but we'll see. What's interesting is the game of the year I think we're going to say is not on uh, IGN, which I follow quite frequently. IGN has not listed that on their vote of, hey guys, what do you think you're, what do you think the game of the year is? That's not even on the list. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, that's the next week's episode. For two player bros, I'm Mike. And remember to stay safe and keep on gaming.